Hey everyone, welcome to the Prince of Peace podcast, where our aim is to help you live and love like Jesus. I'm Lauren Hlaud, one of the pastors of Prince of Peace. We're glad that you're here and we hope you enjoy. Have you ever been so certain that you were headed in the right direction? Maybe you were traveling, only to realize later that you were way off your course. This has happened to me so many times in my life. I am what you would call directionally challenged. Uh, Thank goodness for GPS. I was talking to someone before the service about, remember, uh, remember when you had to have a map? to know where you were going, you had to plot it out for vacation or wherever you were traveling, or the days of MapQuest, where you would print something off the internet that would tell you step one, step two. Now our little phones just make sure we, we head in the right direction. I, I have struggled with this my whole life, and I, I was thinking of a story recently when I was a soldier in the Army, and I was stationed out in Oklahoma, at Fort Sill, Oklahoma, Lawton, Oklahoma, home of everything poisonous. There are tarantulas, uh, the the grass is poisonous, there are scorpions, and we had an exercise in land navigation. So me and my whole platoon, it's an all-day event to learn how to do land navigation old-school style. None of the GPS tools that are available to soldiers were there. It was a compass and a map and learning to orienteer, and we had all of these spots that we were supposed to go find. You know, Checkpoint Alpha, Bravo, Delta, Echo. And we're all broken up. And we have different points that we're supposed to hit in different orders. So I get the unfortunate job of being the one with the compass. And I'm thinking, oh no, (laughs) this isn't going to go well. Because I just struggle with it. But we sat down and we mapped out our points and we we, we oriented the compass and we, we, we headed out. I thought we were going in the right direction, but after an hour or two hours out on this land navigation course, I start to grow skeptical that maybe we're not headed in the right direction. And then we hear through our radios of some of the other squads, and they're, yeah, we had Checkpoint Charlie, we're heading to Delta, they're so far ahead of us. And I'm thinking, oh no. So that's when another soldier in, in, in my Motley group came up and said, let me see your compass, Halad. And I give him my compass, and he pulls out his compass, because we all have them, but I'm the lead navigator, and he's looking at my compass, and he's looking at his, and he's like, hey, guys, where's everyone's compass? Bring your compasses over. He said, Halad, your compass is broken. (laughs) What? It's broken. The magnetic force or pull was off. I swore we were headed south. We were headed due east. We were so far out of it. But in that moment, we regrouped, we looked at our map, we plotted out the points. We had a vision now for where true north was. In Mark chapter 10, uh, we encounter two different men. Uh, And these two different men reveal to us a whole lot um, about what it means to answer the call of discipleship to answer the call of of Jesus, to come and follow. But these two men have very different life circumstances surrounding them. 
I want to um, orient us for a moment around these two stories. One of these men is operating with a broken compass. As he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandment. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And he said to them, teacher, I have kept all of these from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, you lack one thing, go, sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. Disheartened by the saying, the man went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Just a couple verses later, Jesus is now journeying through Jericho. And as he was leaving with his disciples in a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent, but he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man, saying, take heart, get up. He is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. Jesus said to him, go your way, your faith has made you well. Immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. I think it's pretty clear to see who's operating with a broken compass. I've never really considered how closely connected the rich young man who can't part ways with his possession, how, how intimately connected that story in Mark chapter 10 is to the story of blind Bartimaeus. A lot of times on the weekends when we preach, we have one section of the gospel. Today we heard the part about Bartimaeus as our gospel text. Weeks ago we heard about a rich young man, but these stories are but mere verses apart from one another. Could God not be illustrating the author of Mark, could through the author of Mark, God not be illustrating for us the reality of, of how, how differently people can respond to this invitation. Let's consider the compass of the rich young man. Now his compass has been guiding his life. We hear that he's been orienting himself around a pious life, a righteous life that is rooted biblically, following the commandments, honoring mother, mother and father, not defrauding anyone, not stealing, and, and he's been pursuing this righteousness. But another thing that is sort of magnetically pulling the direction of his life is this question, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? This teaches us something about what's guiding his life. One, he's focused on his own actions, his own ability to get it right. I have honored, I have obeyed, I have done all the right steps. And because I'm focused on what I'm doing, I want to reap 
a reward for it. So I've been following all the right things, but what must I do to get heaven, to get the kingdom, to get the glory? Compare that against Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus has not been focused on living this righteous, perfect life. Bartimaeus has been someone who's at the low end of the societal spectrum, unfortunately. Now we're told that he maybe at one point in his life could see. He wants to recover his sight. But Bartimaeus is left to a life of begging where the rich young man comes to Jesus saying, what must I do to get the reward? The man begging Bartimaeus says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Not what must I do, but Lord, I am humbling myself to receive from you mercy. One man's compass is about what he will do. One man's compass is about humility and learning to receive. One man just wants to be able to see again, wants to be able to see clearly. The other man wants to experience the glory of eternity. Jesus invites the rich young man to let go of his possessions, to let go of the north that had been guiding his life storing up wealth, storing up treasures, being successful in the world's eyes. Let go of that. I'm going to give you a new compass, Jesus says. Actually, I'm going to take the compass out of your hand. You're no longer going to guide and orient your direction. Rather, you're going to learn to come and follow me, was his invitation. I will be the one that is walking toward true north, which looks like radical generosity, abundant hope for the world, Mercy, forgiveness, peace, come and follow. Let go of your compass and come learn to follow on the adventure of a lifetime. But he can't do it, can he? So he walks away sorrowful, still looking at his compass, which is guiding him right back to his home with all of the safety and security that he had built up. Contrast that against Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus is a beggar. And when Jesus calls him to come to him, Even before he's received his sight, we're told something, but a minute detail in the scripture that is actually really revolutionary. Bartimaeus throws off his cloak. Now, Bartimaeus was a blind beggar, and he had but one possession, his cloak. And his cloak didn't just keep him warm. His cloak was how he earned a living, scraping by. Bartimaeus is a beggar in the time that Jesus did ministry, would have thrown his cloak on the ground and it would be upon the cloak that people would drop money or scraps of food. This is how Bartimaeus lived and so Bartimaeus would gather in his cloak and and search for the food scraps and the money to try to live. But when Jesus called Bartimaeus, he threw off the one possession he had. He did what the rich man could not do. And then do you see how these two stories our intention with one another. Jesus actually calls the rich man to come and follow. Instead, he goes home. To Bartimaeus, he tells him to go home. But Bartimaeus, in receiving his sight, also received vision and decides to follow. Decides to give up his compass 
to embrace the life that really is life? What compass is guiding your life? In what direction is your compass pointed? We know right now that society hands us a compass from a very early age. And the world we live in conditions us to be oriented on a certain pathway. And it's especially true in the United States of America, this beautiful, amazing country of opportunity and and, and great prosperity. But one thing that comes with that is this true north that we sort of buy into that says, uh, the vision and direction of my life is oriented towards great independence. It's oriented toward accumulating wealth and possessions. It's all about storing up bigger and bigger barns so that I have peace and I have security. And then occasionally, you know, that's the direction I'm headed in. I might do some good here or there. It's not all bad. We want to live a righteous, pious life. Even the rich young man's compass isn't all wrong. He wants to live righteously. He wants to honor father and mother, but he misses out on the vision of what God is up to that is far bigger than just righteous living. It's about radical living. The compasses that we hold They can serve us well so far, but at the end of the day, they will always be in tension with the direction and vision of God's hope for the world, which isn't about our comfort, and it isn't about our safety, and it isn't about accumulating for accumulation's sake. It's about living a radical life of generosity, generosity of spirit, Generosity of forgiveness, generosity of hope, generosity of inclusion, like the ministry of Stephen Ministry, which sits with people in moments of despair and says, I not only see your pain, I hear your pain, and I proclaim in the midst of your pain that God is writing a story of hope for you. God's compass is pointed toward the kingdom where where all have enough, where all are fed, where all are filled up with hope. And so here we are, a congregation of people who come from different parts of the city, different households, different families with different stresses, and yet God is drawing us in like a magnetic force into the body of Christ where our lives get reoriented toward the true north. Through the waters of baptism, at this meal, and by the cross, we get redirected to the life that really is life. But here's the thing. We can't serve two masters. Or in other words, we can't have two compasses. One will lead you and your squad due south when you're supposed to be headed east. And even though we cling so tightly to that compass that we've held on to for so long, when we let go and we pick up the path of following in God's vision, we receive far more than we've ever had. So on Commitment Sunday, this weekend, and in the weeks ahead, as we make our commitments to the ministry of Prince of Peace, first know this, we are calling each of you, members of the body here, to make a financial commitment to this work. But you're not just making a financial commitment to the institution of Prince of Peace. 
Yes, we have lights that we need changed out and we need to pay the electric bill and we have a staff that works hard to support this ministry. We have a mortgage to pay. We have all of that stuff that that we have as a congregation. But what we're really doing when we make a commitment is we are giving back to God what first belongs to God in support of that vision that God is casting. What we're really doing is we're saying, I am parting ways with my cloak. And this is one act of leaning into a life of following, of saying, show me, God, what is really abundant, real life. That's what we're doing. We're saying, I'm in God, not just with my financial resources, but with my time, with my energy, with my passion. I'm rededicating my life to the way of Jesus, to living and loving like him, knowing I'm gonna mess up, but thanks be to God that I'm grafted into a body because when one of our compasses is broken, maybe it's been dropped one too many times, there are some other disciples around you now who can pull out the compass and remind you of where we're headed. I believe that the greatest hope for the world is the local congregation. I believe that. The greatest hope for our city and for the world is a local congregation who is not driven by scarcity or fear or anger or bitterness that rages all around, but is a local congregation so oriented around God's mercy, love, and hope for the world that they are emboldened enough to go back out into that divisive world as representatives of the one true way of life, which is all about peace and all about hope. So as you make your commitment to Prince of Peace Lutheran Church, may you make more than a financial commitment. May you make a commitment of spirit to say in the face of a world that is tearing each other apart, I am going to stand as a beacon of light and hope and peace and joy. In the face of a world where people use resources to build up their own barns, I'm going to share mine so that others can have a life of dignity and hope. Let's be that body of Christ so stirred up and so impassioned that we actually believe we can change the world. So may you, may I, may we throw off our cloaks in order to cling to the crucified and risen Lord. God loves each of you, and I do too. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Prince of Peace podcast. I hope that today's message has brought comfort and inspiration to your life. Have a great rest of the week.